if, uh, yeah, if we could just have this, this picture up <clears throat> uh, this morning, and, and they say, a picture is worth a, a thousand words, but uh, I feel like this picture could be uh, worth, uh, sideways, uh, could be worth maybe 2,000 words. I don't know if, Bill, if you can't, you can't twist it. Okay. Um, perfect. So just tilt your head. <laughs> Uh, sideways, and uh, you, you, you will understand uh, what it is. But I'll just quickly, what you see there is, is a, it's a pool, okay? A pool, and there's people around the pool. And we've been talking about spiritual gifts, and you may be thinking, where if, if the spiritual gifts represent the pool, where, where am I in the pool? Some of us maybe are on the outside. Some, you know, there's a person kind of dipping his toe. And we're, we're all in this spot and we're, we're trying to learn more about what these spiritual gifts look like. And again, it's been amazing just to have the teaching with Andy and, and Russ to, to guide us again, to, to break through some of these misconceptions of what the spiritual gifts are, okay? And just picking up, uh, just quickly where... Andy left off is in verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And again, I just love how Andy reminded us a few weeks ago our prayer is that God brings clarity to spiritual gifts. Next, what uh, again Wes shared is about Russ is roadblocks. Russ shared about roadblocks to spiritual gifts. Okay? And what we see is, in this opening, is Paul obviously wanted to bring some clarity as well. He knew that there was some confusion, and he wanted to bring clarity to the Corinthians. And so our hope through this series is that the Lord brings clarity, like the light bulbs are going off, and that there's teachable moments throughout this series about spiritual gifts. So I want to share just this idea of Finding our place means accepting our assignment and understanding we're all shaped for serving God. And I'd make sure that I chose that word shaped, okay? Because shaped isn't a solid, it's being molded. It can be molded, it can be uh, manipulated. God is shaping us. And so when the Greeks used the word charisma in the sentence that we're going to see, they weren't referring to charm or personality, what they were referring to is literally meant a grace gift. So first, before we get into the, the second part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think this verse is, is really key. Is 2 Peter 1.21, which says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And as we go through um, this series, and as, as I speak today, I just really want to make that clear. It's God speaking through us. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through us. The Holy Spirit decides. He is the giver of these gifts. This should help us and free us and take the pressure off that it's God. It's not us. It's God working through us. He gives these gifts and enables people when he sees fit. So let's get into these gifts. And so my first uh, kind of sub-point this morning is God is a giver of diverse gifts 
for the purpose of serving him. And so we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again, but we're going to start in verse 8. It says this, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So what we're going to do is we're just going to simply break down these gifts and show an example of where we see them in Scripture. So first, the gift of wisdom through the Holy Spirit is a simple divine answer or solution for a particular question or challenge. We see this in Matthew 17, 27. Peter is about to be late in paying the temple tax, and Jesus gets a word of wisdom that solves the problem for both of them. Next, a word of knowledge. Is the Holy Spirit allowing to know something, for you to know something specific that you didn't learn by natural means? A supernatural transfer of information you couldn't possibly know by the natural processes. And thinking of when Jesus uh, met with the woman at the well, she she told Jesus she wasn't married. And Jesus said, you're right. I have no husband for you have had five. I find it so cool how obviously Jesus got this this word of knowledge, and through this word of knowledge, drew her in. And what does she say later? Like, you are surely a prophet, right? He, this word of knowledge unlocked her heart, and eventually you see in that piece of scripture that it unlocked the city. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. Let's take a look at faith. Faith, complete trust and confidence for a specific situation. Those that do not waver when times are difficult. There's a story in Mark. The disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee in a fishing boat when a huge storm came upon them. What was Jesus doing? He was taking a cat nap. (laughs) Remember also that most of those people on that boat were what? Experienced fishermen. But they still woke him up. That just that idea again, that Jesus had faith. Also in Acts 9, we see an example of this. Ananias shows up with this gift of faith when he heard from the Lord to visit a man named Saul. At the time, who was persecuting the church and killing Christians. Think about that. Okay, this person is killing Christians. Uh, You're going to have him over for dinner. Uh, Excuse me, right? He obviously had to show faith in that example there. Next, we see healings. Supernatural intervention for healing apart from medical treatments. The Lord may indeed use a particular person consistently in an area of healing, but is the Holy Spirit who owns the gifts and distributes the gift individually, moment by moment, as he wills. Verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. I really found it, uh, again, interesting when you go through this text, is that those two things, healing and miracles, they're separated. 
When we, use, when we look through Scripture, God uses people to, to, to perform some interesting things. Miracles, divine intervention that alter circumstances. Think about Peter walking on water. Let's continue on with our Scripture. It says, To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. When the Bible speaks of prophecy, it simply means a message of encouragement from God delivered through human vessel to another person or persons. Let's remind ourselves again about prophecy, that the word of prophecy needs to encourage, not discourage, not correct or rebuke, and not to judge. If we go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, Paul provides us with an uh, an example again, where he speaks, where he edifies, he exhorts, and he brings comfort to men. Moving on again in our scripture, it says, Now we come to the gift of tongues, which is, again, speaking this heavenly language. We see lots of examples of this in the book of Acts. We also just see in Acts 19, where Paul places his hands on them, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they begin to speak in tongues. Further on, then now we see the interpretation of tongues. And that's being able to interpret this heavenly language. And again, a verse just to back that piece up is 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 28. Again, it guides us through that. Also, we'll see later on in this series, um, Mark will go through uh, the tongues in a little bit more detail as well. So you can look forward to that. And further on, distinguishing between spirits simply means that the Holy Spirit making a believer aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. This gift is called discerning of spirits. This, this one is always an interesting one because it doesn't say the gift of discernment. It says distinguishing between spirits. So I just, again, encourage you, read that through. Let the Holy Spirit speak through that piece. We see this gift in operation in Acts 16 when Paul talks, about, uh, talks to the slave girl. She had a spirit who was helping her tell the future. But again, Jesus, just because her words were true, didn't mean that they were godly. The next point that I want to highlight in this, just called recognizing and accepting, recognize, accept, and understand your shape. Now we're going to take a look at these two maybe misconceptions that we see um, in this scripture looking through this. We need to find our place and we need to accept our godly shape. Within the, in the body, these verses we see next is, I kind of called it this idea of like great, uh, gift envy. Gift envy. And, and I'll articulate it more in, in depth. So continuing on in chapter 12, verses 12 to 31, it says this, verse 12, says one body with many members, says, for just as the body is one and has many members, 
and all members of the body, though are many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 13, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. This beginning, again, is just Paul's cry that we are truly one, one with each other. He lays it out, it doesn't matter where we come from because Christ has unified us and we need to function as one. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, would, sorry, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we are all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, as it is there are many parts, yet one body. In these verses, we see there's a problem resulting from not understanding the value that your specific shape brings to the body. This idea of gift envy in the body of Christ. Well, what is envy again? Just to remind us, a dictionary version is a feeling of discontent or resentful longing aroused by someone else's position and qualities. What does it say here? Oh, I'm nothing. My gift isn't important. There's a sense of inadequacy. I don't like my part. We don't need to compare our gifts to others. It's okay if our gift is not as prominent as others. God has given you a unique heartbeat, just like a unique thumbprint. God has designed our hearts and your hearts to race when we think of certain subjects, certain activities or circumstances that interest us. This reveals our heart and God's heart for us. This can again help us see where God has gifted us. There is no insignificant ministry in the church some are visible, but some are behind the scenes. And through this, just planning for this, a lot of kind of analogies and pictures came up. So uh, if we could just put up the first one. Hopefully it's not sideways this time. Oh, yes. Okay. So this is, uh, this is a chandelier in my house. Uh, and, and yeah, I apologize. I was kind of thinking of, you know, that, that show, it's a while ago, like the show Cribs, where you go into like a basketball player's house and they have this like amazing chandelier. But I was like, no, 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 we're just, we're just going to take and use a picture. It makes it more real, right? This is kind of a, a standard chandelier. Okay. So do you guys feel like this chandelier is the most important light in my house? Because it's, you know, it's kind of the biggest, it's got a lot of light. Seems like it, it should be the most important, right? 
What about this next light? So that is, I know, I, I had to pull the cuteness out. That is a night light, okay? How many of you know that a night light is very important when it's dark out? Just because this light is quite small, does that make it less important? Not at all. I can tell you there's many times where you want that nightlight, even if it, you know, those ones that have the sensors that come on because you don't want to stub your toe or fall down the stairs, or, you know, you're kind of walking around in the dark, not, hoping you're not going to run into something. There is no correlation between size and significance. We're all dependent on each other and the Holy Spirit to function. We need the chandelier and we need the nightlight. And taking again from our scripture, says, what happens if one part of the body fails to function? Speaking as it's, it's February and it's flu season, I'm sure lots of us can relate to this. What happens is we get sick. How many of you, when you have a cold, does your whole body suffer? Aches, pains, drippy nose, right? Our body starts to not work as well when one part isn't working as it was designed to. What if, again, taking from the scripture, and, and a, these lots of this, this pictures were coming through is, I just picked the liver. What if your liver decided to start living for itself? So it says something like this. It's like, you know what? Um, I'm kind of tired. I, I'm taking a year off. I'm done. Taking a year off. What is going to happen to the body? Or what's going to happen to your body? It's not going to function properly, is it? There's going to be some major complications. Again, this idea that God has a place for each of us, and it's important and it's significant. Paul's heart behind these verses is this idea of the body, if one part is missing, right? Your liver not working or not having a foot or a hand, an eye, the things that he's using there, it seems kind of ludicrous, right? That we wouldn't have one of those parts. Paul wants to make sure that it's clear. It's the same as the body of Christ. Anytime a member of the body of Christ ceases to function, the cause of Christ is hurt because something vital is missing. Someone failing to or refusing to function diminishes the body and it becomes weaker and ineffective. God has a plan for you and the gifts he has placed in you to bring glory to him and to draw people to him. Another story that just kept coming up to me was the story of Philip. And just super quick, I'll, I'll pick up parts of his story. But in Acts chapter 6, we see that um, people were not getting looked after, okay? Um, the Greek women and widows, they were getting looked after maybe more. And, and the Hebrew uh, women, they weren't getting looked after, okay? And so this complaint comes up. And what, it, what happens is 
the disciples and the apostles they say, well, we, we got to continue to preach the word. Okay? And so they say this. It says, therefore, brothers, pick out of uh, from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to do this duty. And there's a list, but one of them was Philip. They sat before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on him. And the word of God continued and increased, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. A great many of priests became obedient to the faith. And so what am I pulling out of this with Philip? Is this. Philip understood that there is no small service to God. He took a job with very low profile. He didn't say, well, I need to be that person, or I need to be in this position. Because remember, what did it say? It says, good repute, full of spirit and wisdom. He could have been like, well, I should be, you know, more prominent. But that's not what he did. And later we're going to see how he continued to shape Philip. How he continued to use Philip for serving him and using the gifts God had given to him. And so this idea of gifts is this amazing kind of phrase that some churches say uh, in Asia. It says, when they welcome new believers, they say this, now Jesus has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with, new hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. I thought that was just amazing, again, with the picture of the body, because we each, right, each of us has that opportunity. God has given a variety of gifts to use in multiple ways, activities, situations, and services. Let's move on in our scripture for this morning. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable and those parts of the body that we think less honorable and bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. So now we're seeing the other side of it. So first we saw this idea of um, gift envy. But now what we're seeing is this idea of kind of gift pride. What do I mean by that? It's this feeling of pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. This idea of, well, look what I can do. My gifts are the best. Believing maybe your gift is greater value than someone else's. Maybe everybody else should have my gift. Everybody should be afoot, right? Everybody should be passionate about what I'm excited about. But we don't choose the function or the gifts. God gives them to us. I thought of even just, again, sorry for all these pictures and analogies, but it just, they kept coming to me, is think of, I was thinking of this idea of, you know those when you go to an arcade and that machine where you put the coin in and it has that claw and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to like, 
get my teaching degree. It's like buried underneath, right? Like that's the one you want to you get out of the, all the, you know, that's how I got mine. But um, you want to move all the teddy bears out of the way. You want that, like the really good thing, right? But as we see in this scripture, that's not what Paul's saying. It's not saying like that claw. I don't just get to go in and just grab whatever. My gift's the most important. I'm going to take that one, right? The Holy Spirit is distributing these. The human body was designed very carefully by God. He has a specific plan in mind. Nothing was left by chance or accident. The plan is followed very carefully. It therefore pleases his heart to see the body working well and in unity. He placed each member and ordered them together That's what makes the body function properly. So when we plug into these gifts and plug them into the body, we get to see heaven's agenda actualized on earth. Again, I just was drawing um, just examples from the life of Philip. And in Acts chapter 8, Stephen is martyred. And what happens is the people scatter But it's amazing that the preaching still continued, and Philip was one of those. He went out preaching, and what happened is people started to pay attention and started to notice that God was doing amazing things through Philip. But we see how God is shaping Philip and expanding his gifts as we go through that, through his story. But the other amazing point about Philip is he was ready. He was ready for expansion. When it came, he had the faith that God was using him, that God had put the gifts into him, and that he didn't get caught up in seemingly less prominent to human eyes. Thinking back to chapter 6. Is it not key that Philip had to take a step forward and in confidence that God had given him gifts to use? And another amazing thing about a story is is then what happens is then the apostles get word of this because the Holy Spirit was moving and using Philip and others in many ways. And so what happens is they send the team. And now again, Philip has a choice. This idea of pride could come in and say, well, you know what? God's using me in amazing ways. Like, why do you guys need to be here? Right? But that's not what he does. He understood this culture of honor and appreciating and accepting the other gifts, the apostolic. He accepted those things. And he said, you know what? God's moving. Right? He He didn't say, no, 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 like, why are you guys coming here? No, he accepted that. He understood that. He had this culture of honor and allowed God to do what he wanted in this situation. It's so remarkable, again, just continuing with Philip, is how just continues to shape him and continues to guide him. And we see how Philip, again, is used and God using these gifts. Eventually, right, this story of the eunuch comes in. And what happens is, is God uses Philip to speak about Jesus to him and then eventually baptize him. And what happens because of that encounter? This eunuch goes back to Ethiopia and the word of God is spread to the entire country. 
Again, isn't it amazing how we see in Philip just these steps of faith and allowing God to use these gifts he had given to him in multiple ways and allowing him to shape Philip, to mold him, to continue to use these gifts in many different ways. The body is very detailed and intricate. There's nothing that God hasn't designed for a particular purpose. Moving on in our scripture again, first, uh, kind of the latter part of 24 says, but God has so comprised the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Take a look around. Take a look at the people beside you, behind you, Do we all look the same? No. Let's honor diversity and uniqueness. Each person receives equal honor and care, right? God has blessed all of us. God has asked all of us to be a part of his plan. Anytime a member of the body of Christ ceases to function, the cause of Christ is hurt because, again, there's a vital piece missing. Just kind of concluding um, what we've talked about this morning is we're just seeing again, God is a giver of diverse gifts for the purpose of serving him. We saw that so evidently through Philip's life. Then we also see again, recognize and accept, understand that God is shaping you and has given you a shape. Don't lose sight of who assigns the gifts and what they are for. Remembering that they are for the benefit of others. And we need to eliminate gift jealousy and gift pride. 1 Peter 4.10 again talks about this and it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And finally, just felt... Uh, as I was preparing, God pressed this uh, upon me. And uh, again, I, I feel like it, it's a word for, for some here uh, this morning. He brought to me just the story of David when David was anointed uh, by Samuel. And if you remember that story, what happens is all the brothers, I shouldn't say all, not all the brothers, <laughs> Most of the brothers, most of the brothers are lined up. And we see the first one, okay, Elab, and it says, uh, this is what Samuel says, he says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or in the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so this is what I felt for some this morning, is David wasn't even invited to that time. He was left out. His father didn't even ask him to come. What did Samuel have to do? Is They had to say, is there any more? And then they bring David out of the field. And so I just felt that if you have felt like or are feeling like you may be overlooked by other people, that 
you're feeling like David, maybe out in that field, like, God, like, does anybody notice? But what I'm sensing again is that God sees and God knows. You have not been overlooked. You have not been overseen. And again, this picture that God impressed with with David is if you look later in the book of Hebrews, he's in this great people of faith. How God used many people. And so, again, I just want to encourage you that God has a gift for you. God sees you and God knows your heart. But what I really as well feeling is that the time is now. The time is now for you to step forward in the giftings that God has given to you. That the church needs you. That the body needs you. That God sees your heart. And what he's just calling us forward to do is take that step of faith in him to see the gifts and abilities he's given to you.